You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, broadcasting live, but kind of recorded from the Vivid Seat Studios. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but it's game day today. Easy now. We're not stealing music on this show. We don't do that kind of stuff. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Having some technical difficulties here, folks. I apologize for that. We'll try to get that worked out. But today is Packers-Bears. I don't know about you. Didn't sleep super well. Probably going to be the slowest day of our lives. Maybe won't be the most productive people on the planet. I don't know any of these things. I just know today's going to be awesome and I want to talk about it. So the plan today is to get a little bit excited. It's going to be a little bit of a mix. I think what I was doing last year was kind of break down the team then the next day is strategy day, and then the next day is positivity Sunday. I don't know if I'm going to follow that format this year or not, but I think today is going to be kind of a mix of positivity Sunday and um, and strategy day. In other words, this is what this team needs to do, and this is what I think they're going to do, and this is what we should do, and blah, 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 blah. That's more or less going to be the, uh, the plan. A couple other things, and again, I'm going to try to remind you, for those folks that are currently supporting me on Patreon, thank you very much. Just remember, we do have the CBS Pick'em Pool, where you just got to basically pick which teams are going to win and which teams are going to lose. Some of you are already in there and made your picks. That's pretty sweet. But the first game is today, so make sure you get that done, So, If by chance you are listening to this on an Apple device and wouldn't mind leaving a five-star iTunes review, it would be greatly appreciated. It really does help the show and has been helping the show every once in a while. I like to check. Back in the day... This used to be the best Packers podcast that nobody knew about because when you search everywhere, it would be like the fifth, sixth, seventh podcast down the list. Now I'm like third or fourth. I think on Spotify it's like number two. A couple other ones it's number one. But most of these guys are pulling from uh, from iTunes anyway. So anywhere that you can, uh, please leave a five-star rating and review. Other than that, just uh, spread the word. Let the people know. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Otherwise we'll probably just... Oh, come on, man. I am so disappointed in my audio today. I don't understand. We'll get it tweaked, man. We're going to take a little break. I'm going to see if I can get this figured out. Be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
So there are several things that are obviously keys to this game. I think the biggest, biggest, biggest thing, not super debatable, and there's other keys that I'm going to touch on, the biggest thing obviously is going to be the Packers offense versus the Bears defense. The, the, the question that I'm driving at is how much is the Bears defense going to regress? How much is the Packers offense going to improve? The reason that's the question is because I think last year the Bears defense was overinflated not untalented, overinflated. And I also think last year, not super debatably, the Packers' offense was underperforming. The talent level of the players, such as Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, that offense not producing, not getting yards, not getting touchdowns, Jimmy Graham, not getting first downs, that team winning six games... And I'm not talking about a team winning six games because the defense couldn't get it done. The Packers' defenses have not been getting it done since pretty much the dawn of time. That's not really true. But since in my lifetime, it's been very rare that the Packers have had great defense. It's all offense, right? Still, you got great quarterbacks. They drag the team. They get 30-some points. You win the game. That's how Packers' teams go. So the, the basic premise that I have, and again, there's other points, but the basic premise is if everything stays the same, the Bears win. Probably not by a lot. If you look at last year, the Packers won the first game. The Bears barely won the second game, which is actually really key because when I look at this and I say if the Bears' defense regresses even a little and the Packers' offense improves even a little, the Bears might be in a bit of trouble. Because don't forget what I said all offseason. The Bears have done almost nothing. And in fact, they've gone backwards a bit. I know they've got a running back that I like. I know they're super excited about him, and I don't doubt he's good. And I, you know, there, there are times when I worry until I realize a couple things. Number one, he's a running back. Number two, I think he was arguably the best running back in the draft. But let's not forget this was a garbage draft uh, for running backs. Compare him to Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne. Compare him to Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara or any of the other, you know, Le'Veon Bell. I don't know that he necessarily stacks up to those guys. Now, I, I, I think he's good. I'm sure the Bears are excited. I'm sure it's for a reason. I'm sure they're not just blowing smoke saying he's awesome. But if that's the big upgrade, and they still have Trubisky who's struggling, they haven't really done anything on the offensive line. They haven't done anything with tight end. They haven't really done anything with wide receiver. They haven't done anything but lose their slot corner and add somebody who's really bad. They downgraded a bit at safety. And, of course, they lost maybe the most pivotal piece that this entire team has, and that's Vic Fangio, and changed their scheme. You know, I'm just saying. Whereas the Packers have upgraded their offensive line, upgraded their pass rushers by a factor of three, upgraded both of their safeties, upgraded their offensive play calling, or in their second year with their defense, but lost Mike Daniels. So, you know, I'm not sure it's a wash. This is sarcasm, so relax. I, I, I think we probably are coming out ahead on this one. Not really sure. But if the defense stays largely the same and the offense is still struggling, the Bears, I think, walk away with this, especially if the Bears' offense does improve, if Mitch Trubisky improves, which I think is, is factor no, the biggest factor number three. If the Bears' defense stays the same and Mitch Trubisky improves, not only are the Packers in trouble, everybody's in trouble, which is why I'm not as worried about their running back. If the Bears' defense doesn't maintain that level of elite status, and if Mitch Trubisky is not improving, they're not going to get carried by a running back, by a third-round running back. That's not, that's not how this works. However, there is some importance to it, and, and here's the, the big factor. 
despite all this talk about Trubisky's a phenomenal quarterback and blah, 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 the Bears know he isn't. Matt Nagy knows he isn't. Everybody knows that he's not. Even last year, they knew, despite this talk about him being a great quarterback, a lot of his passes come behind the line of scrimmage, right? Remember when we were looking at uh, different receivers, this, that, oh, I think, well, who is it? His, his slot receiver, I think. We looked at it yesterday, and he had, what was it, 30 yards, but 35 yards after catch, meaning <laughs> basically, on average, he was catching each pass one yard behind the line of scrimmage, on average, which if you're actually catching them a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage and you catch one pass like 10 yards down the field, it basically nullifies the whole behind the line. No, these are pretty much every one of his passes. Mitch Trubisky was a dink and dunk artist. Beyond that, they threw the ball. They were ranked 24th in pass attempts and 6th in rushing attempts. This is a team that wants to run the ball and dink and dunk with an occasional deep pass, right? That's kind of how this all works. You set up the deep pass and Trubisky's had some success. That is the one redeeming quality. Unfortunately, though, he does throw really garbage passes a lot. So he's not super great at it. The talent's there. The arm strength is there. He can throw a couple like really shocking, that was a great pass type things. But for the most part, this is a team that wants to run the ball and dump up the dump off the ball and try to draw up the defense and get them hugging up to the line of scrimmage and then take you deep. Now for Mike Pettin, obviously the job is to recognize what it is you want to do, which is to win up close, and then on occasion when you're trying to hug up to the line of scrimmage to throw it over your head. This means two things to me. Number one, we have to win up by the line of scrimmage. This, I think, could be problematic. Not because I don't like the guys we have, but I just, I'm worried about the lack of tackling. And I know that, well, it wasn't the starters in the preseason. It was the starters in the preseason. They were also not tackling very well. It was mostly the backups that were really bad, but there were still some issues with some of our starters not tackling super great. Tyler Lancaster was having a lot of problems. Kyler Fackrell was the second worst tackler on the team. Kingsley Kiki, uh, Tony Brown, Kadar Holman, Montravius. Actually, it was getting, getting a little better at that point, but, you know, some of the starters were having problems. It needs to be much cleaner. Now, the good news is I think we're better equipped to do this. Instead of Clay Matthews, we have Preston Smith, who... One of the things that I think goes under the radar is how good against the run Preston Smith is. He isn't necessarily elite, but he's probably going to be one of our better run defenders, especially off the edge. Last year against the run, and this is one of the things that I think Mike Pettin wanted to get better at. Remember, it's pass rushing is cool, but we want these bigger, long-arm guys that are just going to stop the guy in front of them and be able to control them, right? Domination up front is very, very important to this, off, or this defense. Not just shooting gaps. We're talking two-gapping, we're talking all that kind of stuff. Bigger, long-armed, stronger guys that can control the point of attack and are not going to get bowled over. Last year, our best run defender, according to Pro Football Focus, was Reggie Gilbert, who was ranked 68th of all edge rushers. Next was Clay Matthews, who was 69th. Then Nick Perry, who was 89th. Then Kyler Fackrell, who not surprisingly was 90th. Kyler Fackrell is garbage against the run. Everybody was really, really, I shouldn't say bad. Technically, their grades were average, low average. Uh, Reggie Gilbert, who was our quote-unquote best run defender, had a grade of 64.4. Now, Zadarius was, was not even good, and I don't even want to talk about it. But Preston Smith was graded 27th overall. An underrated ast- attribute of Preston Smith is how solid he is across the board. Run defense, tackling, pass rush, and coverage. So Darius is a pass rusher. Gary will have to see what happens 
he might be more of a run defender. I know that's what he was really good at in college is just dominating against the run. Preston's kind of a do-everything guy, but that's going to be key, and I think that's something we're going to have to watch kind of early because I think that's where the battle's going to be going to be right up right off the bat and if we start to see the Bears gashing the Packers for big gains we're kind of getting behind the eight ball because that's how they establish everything else right it's going to start up front win up front dominate up front the Packers just have to 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 control the line of scrimmage they have to be fast and the safeties are actually going to play a big role in this And, and having good safeties is going to be important because not only do the safeties have to be able to come up and run support and help but they got to be really smart about it because play action, if you're cheating up and somebody beats you over the top, you're in trouble, which is where guys like Darnell Savage with that speed are going to come in handy. This is where Adrian Amos being, again, for at least two years in a row, a top 10 coverage safety is going to come in handy. To be able to have that kind of, a, uh, that kind of help is real important. Don't let them take those big plays because that's where they get their money, right? The, the, the run game and the stuff up close is, is how they're going to get yards, how they're going to move the sticks. But taking control of the game, those games where they just dominated 42-7 to against the Buffalo Bills or whatever nonsense that was, they're, they're taking their deep shots. Don't let them do that. And the, the, the biggest way, and I think the easiest way for the Packers to win this game is to say, you can't run the ball, we're not going to let you win up front, you're going to have to throw those 10-yard passes. Because that's not what Trubisky wants to do, that's not what Nagy wants to do, that's not what anybody wants to do. They want to throw screens to Montgomery, they want to throw you know wide receiver screens to, to Gabriel or... You know, they want to throw passes to Cohen, you know, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and they want to run the ball. And the fact of the matter is, again, the Packers are much more equipped to handle that. Adrian Amos and run support. We'll see what happens at linebacker. But again, B.J. Goodson is a run defender. He's not an elite linebacker by any stretch of the imagination, but the one thing he is good at is stopping the run. And if Trey Burton isn't going to be out there, you know, now they've got even less ability to attack linebackers that maybe aren't super great at this kind of stuff. And if it becomes a problem, we can use a guy like Adrian Amos to be able to come down and and cover the the tight end. But I think this is doable. I mean, this is not an elite offense. I know there's going to be some problems, but the big thing is just going to be to win up front. If they're going to throw their little wide receiver screen nonsense, if they're going to throw their little running back screen nonsense, play fast, play physical, and blow it up. When that ball goes out there, you fly to the ball and you smash them. This needs to be a frustrating defense that is not going to let you dink and dunk us to death. You want to win, you're going to have to push the ball down the field because that's where this defense starts to take over. That's what Mike Patton wants because the way that this defense wins with this press man coverage and the, the bringing lots of, you know, kinds of pressure with better pass rushers and bringing, you know, corners and linebackers and all this kind of bringing pressure, 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 pressure is that the quarterback has to be in the pocket for a while. The reason guys like Rashawn Gary looked real bad despite the fact they were so close but couldn't quite get there is because the ball's coming out real quick. We need to stop the ball from coming out quick. You need to push the ball down the field. And once they start pushing the ball down the field, you got to get off the press. You got to run the route, which is a little bit further down the field. And hopefully by then somebody's coming and bearing down on Trubisky. That's when things start to turn our way. That's when you start to see sacks. That's when you start to see fumbles. That's when you start to see interceptions. But if they're able to, again, just run the ball and dump it off to the tight ends and do little quick screens and, and do uh, you know slant passes and all these little quick things within five yards of the, of, of the line of scrimmage, there's not a lot you can do with that. And there's not a lot of great ways to stop that. So that needs to be the, they need to be the physical team. They need to match the Bears defense's intensity. The, the, this Bears team is a ground and pound team as much as they don't want to admit it and Bears fans probably don't want to admit it they're a team that is a defensive team that wants to run the ball it's it's classic ground and pound they are the Jacksonville Jaguars great defense 
subpar quarterback, probably good running back, right? That's that's the Jaguars. If the Packers are going to win in Soldier Field, you've got to play physical football. You've got to be a mean defense. You've got to be a Mike Pettin defense. This is an AFC East defense. The Patriots, the Jets, the Bills, that sort of that hostile, you know, the big men up front, that aggression, you know, the big bear front. This this is not the, the typical Packers defense. This is, and it needs to start looking like a Buffalo Bills, a New York Jets, a New England Patriots style defense which is a very aggressive, very mean, very frustrating kind of defense to try to play against. And again, it's starting to. Zadarius Smith coming from Baltimore is very much the right kind of player. Preston Smith, again, a big guy. Rashawn Gary, big guy. These are big, you're not going to run against us type guys. You're not going to out-physical us type guys. And then another key to this is going to be the corners. Because again, at some point you got to throw the ball, and if our corners are not playing well, which they were not all through preseason, and yes, Jair's been a part of that. He was not good in the preseason. He was not good through training camp. He has not done a good thing this entire year, and it's starting to make me nervous. I know it's preseason. I get all that kind of stuff. But let's not forget last preseason, the guy had, I don't know, pick six and a pick here and this, and he was looking great, and oh man, look at this guy. Suddenly he's getting beat by like second string nobodies. That needs to kind of stop and fast. Kevin King, I really would like to start showing, you know, proving me wrong. Whatever and whoever, because I'm nervous about the corners, and I, I want to look back at this and say, you were being silly, it was the preseason, these guys are awesome. Because again, again, at some point the Bears have to throw the ball, and if they can't, I don't care how good you are at running the ball, you're not going to win the game. You have to throw the ball. And one thing that has been emphasized and, and we have seen quite a bit of is going after the ball by the Packers' defenses. There's been a good amount of turnovers. It's being emphasized, and you're starting to see the fruit of that. And again, this is this is a great opportunity. And in a game like this, that's a smash-mouth kind of game, could be a very low-scoring game, although it's week one. You, you never really know what's going to happen on Thursday nights. So you never know what's going to happen. Turnovers are going to play a big, big part of this. And I've, I've gone through that, you know, last year when I was looking at what is the, the biggest factor in this team winning or losing. It's almost always turnovers. There's almost always a correlation. It's, it's not even sometimes, – sometimes you look at a team – points scored is not a correlation. Points against is not a correlation. There's some weird stuff that you would just assume the more you score, the more. It's not always. Turnovers, usually always there's a line. If you get this many turnovers, that team is, you're going to win. If you, you know, give away this many times, you're going to lose. This is a fantastic opportunity. This is an, a, a, a better defense, a more aggressive defense, a more talented defense. It's the second year you've been emphasizing turnovers. It's Mitch Trubisky who throws a lot of risky passes gotta 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 get the ball everybody talks about how great the bears defense was at taking the ball away and they were lots of turnovers talked about slightly less is the fact that the bears turnovers on offense they were 22nd meaning they gave the ball away a good amount as well 24 times that's a lot over the course of 16 games what is that like one and a half times a game so that for me is going to be the biggest thing for the defense. And it's, you know, it's going to be a big test. There's high expectations for the defense and the Packers' success is largely dependent on the defense. Yes, the offense, again, if we can rejuvenate that, anything's possible. If we can get back to the days of as long as Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, anything's possible. That'd be great. But, you know, as I've been saying, without a good defense, there's just really very little hope. Packers have been to the playoffs several times and lost out. The Packers have been to the playoffs and won a Super Bowl only twice in my lifetime both of those times the Packers defense was on point that just it just is what it is 
it's absolutely true that defense wins championships. I don't exactly know why. I've tried to talk about that on the podcast, about keeping things kind of even keel and the whole, you know, we're going to score 40 points thing. It just doesn't work consistently enough. That's my only thought on why that works. Whatever the reason, there needs to be a solid defense here. As far as a prediction, I think here's the biggest thing, and this is going to be key for the game, is to not overreact early. I think there's always a lot of optimism. There's always a lot of excitement. There's always this feeling of, we got this just dominant defense, and Jair is so much better than their wide receivers, and Zadarius and Preston are so much better, and Kenny Clark is so much better. Our defensive line is so much better than their offensive line, and our safeties are, are going to be able to dominate their whatever, and our line, you know, everything that we have is better than what they have, and we just expect domination. And they're going to come out, and they're going to run the ball for six yards, and then they're going to pass for four yards, and then they're going to get a first down, and then... And it's just going to be like, I, I quit. The Packers are garbage. This defense is garbage. I hate all... Resist that impulse. Right? The Packers get the ball and go three and out. Just just calm down. The season is not over because the Packers didn't get a first down on the first series. The season is not over if the first play is a throwaway because the wide receivers can't get open. It's not great, but it's not the end of the season. We've got to relax. So my expectation is that, you know, looking at the defense here, it's going to be frustrating, and this is not, you know, again, it, 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 it's chess, not checkers, right? There's going to be adjustments. There's going to be changes. Matt Nagy's going to be trying different things, and Mike Pettin's ability to prepare early to win, and then when Nagy says, okay, the, the Packers' defense is winning, we have to change things, for Mike Pettin to identify what they're doing to change it, how they're now probably winning, and to adjust to that and, and to win, and so there's going to be high moments and there's going to be low moments and it's probably going to be a very close game and it's probably going to be a very frustrating game and things are not always just going to go our way and we're not just going to absolutely dominate. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is a win and the game is not over until it's over. That is that is me giving you advice, but that is me also trying to reassure myself and I'm going to be telling myself that over and over and over and over and over again because I guarantee you as soon as that ball is kicked, I'm already mad because something is wrong. All the hype, all the music, all the the da dun da dun da dun 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 you know, just gets you super jacked up, like, let's go, we're going to do this. And then the game starts, and it's like a run for negative one, and it's like, ugh, I hate this game. Why do I watch football? This is the worst. We're supposed to have this great offensive line. Aaron Jones is supposed to be the greatest running back in the history of the universe. Matt LaFleur is this running genius. What is that? This is garbage. When I'm talking about dominating up front, I'm kind of speaking in a general sense. I'm not saying don't let them get a first down. That's that's not really a realistic goal. I guess what I'm saying is over the course of the game, if they're able to run at will, we're probably not going to be in a very good position to be able to win this game. If they're able to dominate up front and then take those big chunks, because Mike Pettin has to adjust to try to stop the run, as in you know, load up the box, and even that, you know, it, it, as a general rule, regardless of the team, regardless of the situation, if, if the team is able to run against a loaded box, we're in trouble. If you even have to load the box, you're already in trouble. The goal here, and this is what made the Bears defense so successful in, in part, is the fact that they didn't have to load anything. They could play with a light box and beat you up front. You're not running against the Bears if, if we're in nickel. And I think that's the direction Mike Pettin wants to go. I, I can put out any combination of my guys, and they can handle you up front. Not perfect, not we're going to stop you at three yards every single time. There's going to be mistakes, there's going to be holes, there's going to be gashes. But as a general rule, this is a very difficult team to run against. And again, the, the, the success of these kinds of defenses isn't just these types of body types up front, winning up front, keep making it hard to, to play against, but the whole press, playing in man, corner is very, very important. 
This isn't scheme dependent. This isn't guys that stand in an area and guard an area. This is, I'm on you, and I'm going to follow you wherever you go, and you're not going to get away from me. And when the ball's in the air, you're not catching it. I'm catching it if anybody's catching it. That's a very, very difficult skill set. The success of the defense is largely going to be dependent on Jair Alexander and whoever is on the other side of the field. And again, if the safeties actually give us help over the top, which is something the Packers have never really had. On every single deep pass I've ever seen, you've got a corner who's trailing, which is probably why the ball's in the air, and a safety who's on his way but isn't quite there. Like he, He's close enough that after the catch he'll kind of be able to make a tackle eventually. My hope is that with guys like Darnell Savage, you got that kind of speed to say that was a mistake. Probably shouldn't have thrown that ball. Or, you know, on the... On the on the flip side, it's a success if they don't throw the ball. I mean, if he's got a step on the corner and he's looking over and going, I don't know, man, that's Savage. And Coach told me if Savage is anywhere within a 100-mile radius, you just don't throw it because that guy's got the Jets. And then they decide not to throw it, that's already a win. It's not on the stat sheet. We're not going to see it. We're just going to see that, you know, it was a sack and it was a coverage sack, and that's all we're really going to know. Don't know how it happened. Probably going to praise the corners and be like, way to go, Jair, and not really realizing Savage and his speed is, is why the quarterback decided, nah, I better not. In the meantime, though, it would be nice for them to try to test it out because they don't even know yet. That's my hope. It's also my hope that Savage even plays. I know that's the expectation, but I also kind of thought that it's possible that if Savage isn't ready, which he hasn't been getting a ton of playing time, maybe we're going to be seeing a healthy amount of Raven Green. I don't know. But these are the things that are going to make this defense better. These are the things that we were lacking last year that, although there's no guarantee of execution, the pieces are there now. Being able to run against this front is going to be harder than running. You know, running against Preston is going to be a lot harder than running against Clay. Again, B.J. Goodson, not the greatest linebacker in the world, but he's he's solid. He's a starter. He's a mediocre starter who's just a, a straight-up run defender. Adrian Amos is is a the best coverage safety we've had in some time, and he's a real sure tackler. He's just a solid, solid guy. Savage has got the kind of range the Packers have not had, geez, since, I don't know, Woodson? Not comparing him to Woodson, I'm just saying, the Packers' safeties have not really been very rangy. Jair is, is you know, he's a good corner. The pieces are here, and, and this is not a great defense, or offense. It's just, it's not. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm talking as though we're playing the Rams or the Chiefs or something, it's like, I don't know, we got a shot. It's the Bears, and I know it's week one, but really this just comes down to if, if these guys are actually better, and if they can play solid fundamental football, there's no reason the Bears' offense should be able to score. This is a team that last year struggled to get to 24 points or whatever. That was like their – if they got to 24 or 25, they basically won the game because the defense was going to hold the other side. And again, this is the lesser important thing. The more important thing is what we're going to talk about after the break. This is just a matter of we may struggle to score points, so you guys need to make sure that this garbage offense doesn't score a ton of points because then we're in trouble. The, the reality of the matter – this is not, this. it's one of the lesser offenses we're going to be playing all year. The Vikings offense is better. The Eagles offense is better. The Cowboys offense is better. The Lions offense is better. The Chiefs offense is better. The Chargers offense is better. The Panthers offense is better. The, um, well, and then the Viking and the Lions again. Right? There's, there's some teams that probably have worse offenses. And I, you know, Bears fans are going to hate me for saying this. I would even argue maybe the Giants would be a harder challenge especially if their new quarterback actually is talented and takes over, then it's not even really going to be close with that really good offensive line, a capable enough quarterback who's probably still better than... I mean, Eli again, Eli Manning had a better PFF grade last year than Trubisky did, so it's not even that crazy to say. The 49ers, depending on their quarterback and, and some of that, that might be a better offense. 
The Raiders invested, you know, <laughs> getting crazy again, but the Raiders have invested a lot in their offensive line. They have Antonio Brown. They drafted the best rookie in the class last year. They, I mean, they, they've paid a ton of money for their offensive line, their wide receivers, and drafted a really good running back. That may be a better... I mean, the only teams I'm pretty sure are going to be worse, maybe the Broncos. Although, again, pretty good offensive line. Flacco is probably a better quarterback than Trubisky. Really, really good running back. Emmanuel Sanders is at least on par with anybody that the Bears have, probably better. So the Redskins are, are probably the only team that I can guarantee is a worse offensive line, and that, or excuse me, worse offense. And even that is just assuming that Haskins doesn't take over and become a really good quarterback. So, it, you know, it's a tough game, and it's on the road, which is tough. And it's the Bears and the Bears defense, which is tough. As far as offenses, if, if we can't stop this, it's not a good start to the season. I know things can get better and things can improve, but th- this is a gimme for the defense. If we lose this game because the defense couldn't contain the Bears' offense, come on now. And again, I'm talking in terms of, of you know, it's almost like an Alamo mentality, like, please don't let them do this. and please Forget all that, man. Go get them. Go get Trubisky. Go hit him. Go take the ball. You know, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to just not get beat. It's another thing to just dominate and say, you guys are trash. You're not going to catch a pass. You're not going to get a first down. And your, your quarterback is going to spend more time on his face than on his feet. I'm okay if you guys want to take that mentality. Anyways, let's take a break. And then I want to look at uh, the Packers and what they need to do up against this defense. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So as I said, this is the most important factor. If if the Packers' offense is improved, um, which they need to be, that that's sort of the bottom line. That Regardless of the Bears and, and how much they've... This is going to be a good defense. Even if they drop to the ninth overall defense from where they were, that is a massive fall. That's still a good defense. And that's still a defense that's going to dominate the 2018 Packers. I mean, the, the, the 20th-ranked defense was dominating the Packers' offense. The, the Packers and their ability to improve, their ability to, to um, utilize this outside zone and, and be able to run the ball, the ability to get the, the tight ends involved and, and for Jimmy Graham to step up and be a contributing factor in this offense, the ability for Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to the open receiver, which sounds simple but apparently wasn't. The ability for Adams to be able to take over this game and for guys like Allison and, and Marquez to be able to be, you know, factors um, so that it's not just Devontae and nothing else. The ability for guys like Billy Turner to step in and for guys to be able to block successfully for Matt LaFleur to find a way to make these things happen is going to be the biggest factor in this entire game. If the Packers' offense doesn't improve, the Packers lose the game. End of story. And that's, that is a tall order. And we really have to look at a lot of these other early, you know, these recent young head coaching hires to see the potential. Because you look at it and you say, you know, there's no real guarantees here. We saw the struggle with the Titans last year in their offense. That's not great. Well, we got to look to guys like Matt Nagy. We've got to look to guys like Frank Reich. Got to look to guys like Sean McVay. Got to look to guys like Doug Peterson. Right? These, these, again, these guys that come either from the Andy Reid or from the Shanahan tree, 
that come in as new coaches and take over a team. These guys have had massive success, and that includes Matt Nagy, who comes from the Andy Reid tree, who had success with a team that is not very good. I mean, the team in general wasn't very good, but to take the offense and to be able to make the offense work, these are the kinds of things that give you hope that maybe the Packers are just going to come out and be really good, just out of the gate. Because again, they're going to need to be. So as, as far as keys, if I'm if I am Matt Nagy, if, if if I'm Chuck Pagano, I'm looking at this in a very basic sense. And I understand Matt LaFleur is going to be looking at doing different things and he's going to be looking to run the ball. I'm not really worried about that. My goal coming into this is to say, you're not going to beat us with this run game. It's not going to work. You're just learning it. The offensive line is not very good run blockers. Your tight ends can't block. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You're going to try to throw the ball. My goal, I'm going to double up Adams, and I'm going to say, you try to beat me any other way you can. Go ahead and try to throw to your slot corner, who's not very good. Try to throw to Marquez over Amukamura, or actually probably Fuller, right? If I'm going to double Adams, it's going to be Amukamura and probably Eddie Jackson or HaHa Clinton Dixon. I'm just going to double up Adams. I'm going to put my best corner on Valdez-Scantling, which is a mismatch. Fuller's a better corner than Valdez-Scantling is a is a wide receiver. I got Eddie Jackson roving over the top. I've got Roquan that can come in and cover Graham or whatever running back you got coming out of the backfield. And I'm just going to line up and I'm going to say, okay, beat me, right? I, I Yeah, okay, you, you're going to run more. Cool. Let's see you try. Let's see this offensive line that doesn't know how to run block run against Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson and Leonard Floyd, et cetera, et cetera, right? But best of luck to you. That's what I'm going to do. And, and unless and until the Packers can beat that, because that is my expectation, the, the Packers are going to struggle. Now, one of the things to consider is Chuck Pagano, as I said, he wants to bring more pressure. That's sort of a Vic Fangio thing to kind of sit back and say, okay, we're just going to keep these front four. You're not going to be able to run. We're just going to cover. Best of luck. Pagano's not really content with that. Now, if he can get pressure with just Khalil Mack, that's fine, but he's going to start bringing additional pressure. This is an area where we've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of practice with this offense in screens. Remember Mike McCarthy trying that and it was just ugly? Like it just looked like they've never practiced it in their life. So when the pressure started building and they tried to run a screen, it was just ugly. The offensive line didn't know what to do. The running back couldn't catch it about half the time. This is an area where where the Packers can hurt you. Now again, chestnut checkers. They bring pressure. We run a screen. What's their move? This is where guys like HaHa Clinton Dix, this is where guys like Roquan Smith, who are really, really quick, need to be able to fly to the ball and be able to stop this. And if they can shut it down, then guess what? It, it still doesn't work. They can keep bringing pressure. They have to be able to find a way to get the ball out fast. This is something the Packers refused to do last year, up to and including. It, it, again, it wasn't just the coach's fault. The coach had options available, and Rodgers was like, nah, I don't want that guy. There was just a breakdown by Kurt Warner, who for the 50th time, showed a breakdown of how this was the case, how Aaron Rodgers had open guys and chose not to throw. He's looking at Devontae, he's looking at Devontae, he's looking at Devontae, Devontae double-covered. Hey, Jones is open eight yards down the field with nobody within eight yards of him because they're basically just begging you to throw to your check down and Rodgers won't do it. They're, they're basically just abandoning the check down knowing you're not going to throw to the check down. If the Packers can start doing this with Aaron Rodgers, with his accuracy, with his level of intelligence, to be able to start just dinking and dunking over the Bears' pass rush, get the line. Again, the the, the scheme is great if if you work it. Get the linebackers flowing one way. One of the things that's going to hurt a guy like Roquan Smith is, is the fact that with these kinds of offenses, the speed can work against you. If I can get you running the wrong way, really, really fast, you're way out of position. When we got Jimmy Graham running the other direction. And I know the way we talk about Jimmy Graham, the way I talk about Jimmy Graham is, is not the, the most flattering way in the world. 
But if, if there's going to be a revival of Jimmy Graham, if there's going to be success with Jimmy Graham, it's going to be in this kind of an offense. It's very scheme heavy. It's going to be in a position where Jimmy Graham's wide open. And I don't care how old he is. I don't care what step he's lost. Jimmy Graham in the open field has got enough speed and enough strength and enough power to absolutely gash you. He's going to be the kind of guy that you have to worry about. Because again, you got everybody's flow, and we, we've seen it in the preseason, right? Everybody's flowing one way, and you see the tight end go the other way. What do you do? And with this outside zone, this is part of what the outside zone is about, is Aaron Rodgers has to run kind of a long way, and, and, and Aaron Jones is running a long way. So everybody can see the offensive line moving to the right, and everyone can see the tight end going to the left. The question is, where am I supposed to go? If you stand there, you're in trouble. But if you run in the wrong direction for too long, you're also in trouble. But you got to do something, and, and you're, you're, just, you're just waiting. Like, come on, give, give him the ball so I can see where I'm supposed to go. I need to see the ball. That's, that's a big part of this. Now, a negative is that slower developing plays give guys like Khalil Mack much more time to get to Aaron Rodgers, which is problematic. But if you're running away from Aaron, uh, excuse me, if you're running away, if you're running this play away from Khalil Mack, he's, I mean, he's out of the play. And I'm assuming that's what they're going to do. They're going to be running this away from Khalil Mack. The only danger is that one time you decide, let's not give it to Jones, let's turn around and throw it to Graham, you just hope and pray that Khalil Mack isn't waiting right there for him to just smack him in the jaw. Now, this depends where they line Khalil Mack up. If they put him on the the strong side over by Balaga, actually that, that kind of makes sense because then that puts us in a situation where if you want to run away from Mack, running the ball is obviously going to be a lot more successful because you got David Bakhtiari blocking... Leonard Floyd, who's not very good at anything. The, the, the problem is your linebackers are going to be expecting run, and if they're able to shut it down, you're going to be wanting to run the other direction and throw the ball the other direction, but that's when you get in trouble because you've got Brian Balaga trying to stop Khalil Mack. Your tight end has already slipped out to the other side for a pass, and your running back is going the other direction. Unless we're keeping Danny Vitale in the block, this is this has got danger written all over. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what the plan is for... Really, just for Khalil Mack. What what is the plan for stopping Khalil Mack? I mean, I guess that's kind of the cool thing about. To to be completely honest, I know it was technically Mike McCarthy was running a West Coast offense. It looked a lot more like a spread offense. I mean, it, it's three wide receivers and your your plays are all vertical. That's that's spread off. That's not West Coast. That's the spread offense. West Coast is spreading the defense horizontally. It's a lot of plays to your tight ends and, and to your running backs. It's the 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 Shanahan McVeigh. Naggy, that, that, that's West Coast. And I think it, it may work to our advantage to be running a little bit more 21 personnel, having the extra guys at the line of scrimmage, being in tighter. It, it's more of a blocking running, which also protects your quarterback kind of thing, as opposed to spread everybody out. Rodgers takes a, a deep drop and waits for the guys to come open further down the field. That results in more sacks, more throwaways, those kinds of things. So, I, I you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the plan is to stop Khalil. That's going to be tough. I'm sure he's going to get to Rodgers at least once. It's Khalil Mack. But similar to the Bears, there there needs to be there needs to be an ability to do something other than throw to Devontae Adams because that's too easy to take away. And this isn't just against the Bears. This is for the season. This is something they have to be able to do this season if they're going to be successful. It can't just be throw to Devontae and that's all we can do. You've got to be able to get the tight ends involved. You've got to be able to run the ball. And we need at least one more wide receiver to be able to step up. Because it's too easy for the Bears to win this game, again, if it's just double Adams. If double Adams is good enough, and, and again, we can just play in our nickel and stop you running the ball, and your other wide receivers can't get open, it's game over. The, the good thing that I think that this offense brings that we didn't have last year was the ability to adjust. And not just adjust, but it, the, the scheme in and of itself is set up so that 
again, if we do something, you trying to defend it is going to hurt you. It's not just we, we run multiple things out of the same personnel. It's not just when you see us running, even after the snap, you're not sure if we're doing play A, B, or C. It's the fact that if you guess A and we do B, you lost. If you guess wrong, you're in the wrong position. It's kind of like if you think about rock, paper, scissors, except without the tie. If we can't throw the, the same thing, it's basically either you, you choose right and we lose, or you choose wrong and you lose. Except on top of that is the option that you know what we're doing, but we beat you anyways, which is really when you get in trouble. Because if we're running a run play and the linebackers are all flowing that way and they're not biting on the tight end going the other way and we're still able to run against you, you might be in a big tr- you might be in a lot of trouble. And, and again, the, the most important thing is our offense versus their defense. And the fact of the matter is if the Packers come out and are able to march down the field and score points, I think it's over. If Matt LaFleur is able to make adjustments, if he's willing to make adjustments and change things, and if Aaron Rodgers is willing, and I, I know that's overplayed, the whole he's not willing, he's not listening, he's not doing any of this, he needs to be able to do what he's told. And if what he's told is, listen, we're going to start dinking and dunking, you're going to start throwing behind the line of scrimmage, we're going to start throwing screens, we're going to start... And, and he's done this in the past. I don't know what the problem was last year. Kurt Warner laid it out as not trusting. You can maybe say that about certain things, but I mean, at some point, an, an open guy is an open guy. Throw the ball. There's, there's nothing to trust throw the ball. But if Matt LaFleur is able to to make this work and to implement it, and, and I mean, there's nothing really to even make work. It, it's, a, it's a simple concept. You could basically just rip it off from another team and, and make it work. And it's just about getting the, the Bears defense to play against itself. But we'll, we'll have to see. And the, the other note that I would make is that we, we, we need to hope that Vic Fangio leaving means he no longer can just shut down this offense. And I'm not talking about the Packers offense. I'm talking about the LaFleur offense. They're, if you look at last year, they went up against the San Francisco 49ers and the Rams. That's basically what this offense is. The Rams scored six points. The 49ers scored nine points. I mentioned this yesterday. It's very rare to see the Rams only score six points. For whatever reason, they were not playing with this offensive system. This, I mean, the, the Rams scored the least amount of points of any team last year against the Bears. The second lowest score against the Bears was the 49ers. The two worst offenses against the Bears last year were this style of offense. So I'm hoping that was a Vic Fangio thing or just a fluke and that uh, Matt LaFleur has a better time implementing something like this because it just was not working. I mean, the, the, the Packers last year scored 24 points and 17 points against the Bears. So I, I don't know, probably just a fluke. We'll see what happens. But anyways, th- those are kind of my thoughts. As far as a prediction... I would be stunned if this isn't a close game. I would be stunned if this isn't just an absolute heart attack type game. I don't want it to be. I, w- I would much rather have the Packers win 35-7. to I would be more than content with that. I'm over I'm over the exciting, th- you know, I've, I've had those memories. The, the Hail Mary victories and all that. I've already lost the 10 years off my life because of the damage done to my heart because of those games. I've got the memories, got the t-shirt, got all that stuff. I don't need any more. I'm good with it. If from now on we could either win or lose by 20 points, I'd be happy. Like, by halftime, I should pretty much have, have the ability to, to say, okay, we won or okay, we lost. I'm fine with it, but I don't think that's how this is going to work. That's not how a lot of NFL games go. That's certainly not how Packer games go. And that's certainly, certainly not how Packer Bears games go. And I don't think the Bears offense really has the ability to blow the, the lid off this thing. I'm not sure the Bears defense is going to allow the Packers to blow the lid off this thing, meaning... Regardless of who's winning, I think there's the other team is going to have in the fourth quarter the ability to come back and win. By halfway through the fourth quarter, one of the teams is going to have the ability to come back and win. Probably not easily, but they're going to have the ability. 
And as long as it doesn't come down to a field goal, I'll be happy because I'm really getting tired of that whole thing. And I really don't want to hear people screaming at me because we lose the game because Mason Crosby missed a 42-yard field goal. I don't want to handle that kind of stress. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to, to experience a loss, which is bad enough, and then have to be scolded by, by Packer fans that want to tell me that I was wrong, that we should have kept ficking. I just, I'm not going to be able to handle that. And I will be the most insufferable person in the world come tomorrow's podcast if you guys start doing that to me. But the, the final bit of perspective, and I'm not saying I'm anticipating a loss because I'm not. And in the CBS pool and every pool I've done so far, which, reminder, get in the CBS pool, Patreon folks. I pick the Packers to win in every pool that I'm in, every single one. But a bit of context, just in case there happens to be a, a flukish loss by the Packers today, please remember that week one doesn't mean anything. Right? The, the Packers beat the Bears last year. That was not really indicative of how the season went. The Buccaneers beat the Saints. The Bengals beat the Colts. The, the Broncos beat the Seahawks. Right? Stuff happens. The Bears came back after losing to the Packers, won the division, got into the playoffs. Right? The, the Saints were not bothered by the fact that the Buccaneers dominated them and scored 48 points. That didn't really hurt them too much. Week one does not make or break a season. So let's just enjoy today and just remember, ugly or not, the goal is to win the game. If we win the game and Rashawn Gary doesn't get a sack or a tackle or make the stat sheet, if we win the game and Darnell Savage didn't look very good, if we win the game and Aaron Rodgers didn't look very good, it doesn't matter. Just win. Stack up as many wins as you can. Get as many ugly wins as you can early in the season because everything's ugly. Because the point is, later on, when you start getting good at this whole football thing, you want to have enough wins to get into the playoffs. And early wins do contribute to that. Not make or break. Not the end of the world if you lose. But a win is huge. There's only so many games, there's only so many opportunities to win, and especially against a a divisional opponent, pretty important. Sounds like a mixed message, but both of these things are true that I'm saying. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will, as always, be talking to you tomorrow. I don't think it's, it's probably not going to be early, it's going to be a little bit later. It'll be an afternoon show, I'm thinking. Um, It's going to take me a little while to uh, gather my thoughts and whatnot, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the podcast tomorrow afternoon. And hopefully it'll be a a celebratory podcast. But uh, you folks have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.